You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. The Yankees entered a must-sweep series with the Texas Rangers on Monday. They won the first game by a razor-thin margin. They won the second game by a little more, and we got to see Luis Severino for the first time in 707 days. They even got a little bit of help from the boys in Florida. That's the Tampa Bay Rays. Could have used more help, didn't get as much help as they could have gotten, but got a little bit of help and now sit a half game back of the Blue Jays for that second wildcard spot. The Red Sox never lose again, helped out by the fact that they have off day home game against the Mets, home game against the Mets off day, following a three-game home series against the Orioles. Who did this, fam? Who did this? But you know what? All you got to do is win your games, and so far the Yankees are two for two in that department, though they'll face a tough lefty on Wednesday to try to finish off the must-sweep with the three victories. Folks, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer that. We're going to be talking Yanks, obviously, Sevy's return, Michael King's emergence in the pen, things we like, interesting pitching depth questions being answered heading into an all-important weekend in Boston and an off day on Thursday. Yanks' first off day since, I believe... August 2004. I don't think they've had an off day in decades. Uh, it's very interesting. It's going to be it's going to be a weird feeling. Uh, they decided not to give the Red Sox the advantage. They gave us both the advantages. Very nice. Uh, we're going to be talking cheating in Tampa. 
Kevin Kiermaier, a little sneak at Tropicana Field, uh, the ending of Monday's crazy game. Scoreboard watching every day matters. It's pretty fun. And, of course, Thomas, I'm going to give you the floor to talk New York Mets fans who've hit a new low in a season full of low lows. Uh, Thomas Carinante, welcome to the pod. Yankees are 2-0 in the must-sweep Texas era. It could be worse. Surely could be worse. You, uh, Yeah, but right when you were talking about the Red Sox uh, cushy schedule of off-day Mets-Mets off-day, uh, you alluded to it at the end there. Yankees have played 20 straight days. 20 yep. straight days. Uh, and obviously, yes, that was not Major League Baseball's plan because uh, last Monday's game against the Twins was a makeup. Um, but still insane. Red Sox get two off days in the same week where, it, I mean, you knew probably, eh, I don't know. We didn't expect the Red Sox to do much this year. So uh, at the very least, you were giving them a cushy week to play spoiler when you made this schedule back in whenever. And now they're getting a cushy week to stay atop the wild card and hope and light and have a good chance of punking the Yankees, which they've done all year. And why are we going to expect anything else? Uh, nonetheless, two games, two wins. Can't hate it. Uh, I would have loved a better result on Monday. Didn't like blowing that. Um, didn't like blowing that four nothing lead and then having it be tight butt cheeks for the next four innings. It's really not what you want. However, if we're going to look at silver linings, Chad Green, our guy, came in for one and two thirds innings mm-hmm. and looked pretty good. He certainly needed a multi inning uh, appearance where he was not getting shelled. Um, got the job done, only one strikeout. But hey, you really have to take every out. He didn't give up a hit, so or, or give up a walk. So you got to take those outings um, and be happy about them because he's been dreadful lately. Um, and then you look at last night; very encouraging stuff. This is the these are the kinds of victories that we've only been at. We really haven't been asking for many of these. We've just been asking for a few of them, guys. Um, I know it sounds like we're constantly asking for them because constantly we're getting three, two losses or four, three wins against teams that are going to be picking in the top three of of, uh, next year's draft. Um, Kind of exactly how you wanted it to transpire. I know two, one in the fourth wasn't ideal, but then the Yankees just go on, score five straight runs. Everyone homers, dude. Judge and Stanton homer. Uh, Stanton's rocket. Awesome. What was it? 118 miles an hour off the bat, I think. That was um, cool. <laughs> very cool. Um, I saw him. I alluded to that. People were talking about it last night, getting excited about it. I saw him do that against the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium in 2018, his debut season with the Yankees. He did it to both fields. He did. He had a homer to right field, hit a homer to left field. Carbon copies of one another, just like off that. Drew Pomerantz, off I think. Drew Pomerantz, Drew Pomerantz. Yeah, yes. I remember that. It was a very good time. Um, I was sitting on the first base side on the second deck, was loving every moment of it. Um, but yeah, everyone's so enamored by those every every single time he does it. And I'm just like, dude, this is just dude John Carlos Stanton is. I guess you know you don't want that that mystique to go away. It, it is fun watching him do that. And it is, is certainly very unique. No other hitter does that in all of major league baseball. But now for me, it's commonplace for John Carlos Stanton, the way he's picked up this year, uh, really enough can't be said. Uh, I've given him a lot of shit, um, but the turnaround I'm eating my words and I'm happy about it. Judging, judging Stanton homering in the same game. The Yankees are 15 and one. Whenever they do that, you said last night, you <laughs> cannot even believe it's only happened 16 times since 2018. <laughs> well, Absolutely. That was, sent, that was sent to us. And yeah. I think 
uh, like the I think the person was trying to be like it, it was supposed to be rah rah. I was like, oh my god, look how often the Yankees win when Judge and Stan Homer together, and it looked like the right number for this year. Yeah, like oh, fifteen and one this year. No, no, that's that's fifteen and one in four full seasons of them being the three four guys, yep. which just makes you feel so bad. Yeah, it's 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 stupid and miserable. But hey, we got a full season of them this year. This year it's the first time, and look what they're doing right outside the wild card picture. Can't really. Really got to make this hard down to the friggin' wire. Um, we can talk about Joey Gallo too. I know he struck out three times last night, but that home run. Yankees are eight and three when Joey Gallo homers. I don't really know what that means, but it's pretty cool. Um, he's on a he's on an absolute tear right now. Uh, what you would consider, I guess, for the the manner in which he hits, and he's still only batting one sixty five. So, oh look, I know batting average is not. Hmm. Batting average is not the 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 statistic that we go to nowadays to determine how successful a hitter is, but you're on a tear and you're still batting 165 with the it's 165 with the Yankees. He's batting 203 overall in the season. Um leads the league in walks with 107, but also leads the way in strikeouts with 200. Very intriguing, interesting player. Um I want to see him heat up. Uh, I think if he can provide any sort of uh, semi-consistent power, this lineup is completely different. Once again, guys, we're talking about a Yankees team that really could just, all they've needed is a couple of bounces to go their way in terms of players not having these insane regressions or players just doing their job somewhat. And if Joey Gallo can just start hitting home runs at a little bit more consistent pace, then we're talking about a completely different lineup. And then that's going to open up the floodgates for judge and Stanton and everybody else. So encouraging stuff over the last two days, once again, not sold on anything. I'll be sold if we have a good result this weekend. That's, that's pretty much the end of it. Yeah. I'm excited for a full season of Gallo with the pressure off kind of, cause I think he, he just like, he feels like exactly what I thought he'd be so far. Not necessarily a game changer helps having the lefty in the lineup, you know, there, only a couple times has it been like, and that wins on Gallo's shoulders. But then again, he's just going to hit 35 to 45 home runs quietly next year in Yankee Stadium, which is awesome. That's really helpful to have. Um, he, he's not like the guy, like bases loaded two outs down to one in the ninth inning of the World nope. Series. I'm not sure I want Joey Gallo up. And it's also weird because Yankee Stadium hasn't exactly helped him because he exclusively hits 450 foot moonshots. Um, except for that one against Seattle, I guess yeah. that one, it was, it was out in two ballparks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so never mind. Yeah, I guess that was helpful. Uh, cool. But I, I like Joey Gallo. It's art. You can't really love the, it's, it's a profile that's tough to absolutely bow down to, but at the same time, uh, the home runs are nice and they feel like they come fairly consistently. And he's been on a heater for the last, uh, 10 days or so which is great. Last night felt like a throwback to me to what we used to be annoyed by when the Yankee seasons were going better. Like I realized last night why people used to tell me to shut up because they blew, they had second and third one out in the first and got one run in on a grounder. They had second and third and one out in the second and got zero runs in. So that's in my mind, that's got to be between two and four runs for me to be satisfied. And they got one. So I'm already annoyed. And it's like, ah, they blew that opportunity in the first with risk, but in the second with risk against a bad pitcher. Yeah, but then they also hit four home runs in one seven one. Yeah. So that's definitely the kind of win where I would have been last year. Like they never, if they'd only come through in the first two, it could have been 10 one and people would be like, shut your mouth. But this year, (laughs) 
there's so many more things to worry about yeah. that I'm no longer like now I have the perspective to be like, oh, right. It's actually good. We're like they won a game going away. So that was great. Um, Like you're not going to score every time. Uh, it's pretty good. I mean, pretty good performance, all things considered. Uh, game they had to win because they had to keep pace with the Jays and Sox. Now, if they lose Wednesday night's game, which I truly hope they do not do, um, <laughs> and, the, and the Sox win and the Jays win, they'll still be within three games of both entering uh, their three-game showdown with the Red Sox. I, I don't want that because I don't want them to be three games back at the Red Sox, so a sweep only brings you even, and then Boston goes to Baltimore joke um i've i've done the math there's like an off day involved in there i think look if the if the orioles want to be nice and play spoiler they can start john means and chris ellis in that series in the same way we had to face both of them if the orioles want to continue uh screwing us i think they're all if they stay on rotation it's it's means and two of their terrible pitchers so we'll see um hopefully the orioles decide to have a little fun brandon hyde kind of a hard ass i bet he i bet he's gonna have a little fun but then again, Red Sox, Yankees, different standards. Who knows? Let's talk about uh, a little bit about what's going on in the other series. Uh, scoreboard watching has been really fun. I, I must say Monday night, I entered that Yankee game kind of dead. I didn't expect to have as much fun scoreboard watching as I did. Considering they were coming off the 11-1 and 11-3 losses, I was like, who gives a fuck what this team does? Like, I, I'll just kind of casually follow. I was watching the Manning cast and flipping back and forth. And then I was locked into the Yankees from the sixth inning on. Uh, but then I pulled up, you know, I pulled up the Jays and Rays on my computer when, when David Robertson started blowing that game. It was 6-2, and it felt like we were actually going to get a break to go our way, and then I started being less stressed out by our oldest Chapman on the mound. All of a sudden, it's 6-4, runner on first, no outs, back-to-back -back strikeouts, uh, followed by a two-strike Danny Jansen single up the middle, a walk to Gurriel to load the bases with two outs, 3-0 cat to Bravik Valera. The 3-0 pitch is not a strike, called a strike. The 3-1 pitch is even worse, called a strike. And then he strikes out looking. I fist pumped. I'm not rooting for the Rays, but I'm certainly not rooting for the Jays. And again, if the Rays had lost that game, the Red Sox would be six games out with 11 to play uh, with the softest possible schedule in the AL. At least I don't think so. I don't think so. But a couple Rays wins wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. So that was a really nice game. Lo and behold, what we didn't know is that Kevin Kiermeyer, at some point in that game, slid in a home plate, examined the area around him, picked up a little card that fell off the Blue Jays catcher that featured Toronto's entire pitching plan for the series. On the one hand, don't drop that card. Goes without saying. On the other hand, it's a little... A little more sketchiness from the Tampa Bay Rays, who we've always felt had to be doing something. And this isn't the example of some wide-ranging cheating scandal, but it is another example of the fact that you give a, a major league baseball player on a winning team an opportunity to cheat, he's gonna do it. I I mean, yeah. I, I don't know why people don't under it's like the Yankees Mets thing uh last weekend. Yeah, perhaps the Yankees picked up on some pitches being tipped and they were relaying that information. Uh, players are going to take advantage of stuff in real time. Obviously that's not comparable to picking up a lineup card and bringing it back to the dugout and divulging the entire plan for the next two days. Um, but yeah, I think it's safe to say, sure. Did the, are, did the Astros get crucified a little bit more than they perhaps deserve to 
I'll go out on a limb and say probably because we heard allegations of the Dodgers doing a similar thing. We even heard allegations of the Yankees and the Red Sox doing the same thing with the Red Sox. Yeah, probably Schwab. Yeah. <laughs> we are and the Red Sox are probably not close behind because Alex Cora was there uh, when it was all orchestrated. Then he went to the Red Sox the year after and they had the most seamless World Series victory you've ever seen in your life. Uh, regular season into World Series. So, yeah, I think a lot of teams are probably cheating in some capacity. Um, and I, but this doesn't surprise me from Kevin Kiermeyer, who's like an all time asshole, um, compla- constantly complaining. I mean, sorry for the language, Kevin. If you want to come on here and talk about why I think that, that's great. But he does. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, he got all butthurt about Phil Nevin, like trash talking the Rays dugout last year and just always alludes to the fact that it's great to beat the Yankees because it it feels good and it's fun. Um, then this year, I don't know if you guys remember when he literally ran into left field and cut literally ran from go look at the clip. He ran from center field to left field on a fly ball that was hanging in the air for quite a while right in front, literally stepped in front of Randy Rosarena, who was standing under the ball for probably five or six seconds, takes the ball from him and then throws it home to try to get the tagging runner. It's an awful throw. It's not in time. And then in the post game, he went on a 12 minute diatribe about his talents and his abilities and how he's so great and how his defensive, uh, his defensive uh, abilities out there are unmatched. And so when he thinks he can make a play, Sorry to my teammates who are standing under the ball for six seconds waiting for it to make a play. I'm going to have to come in and cut you off and then try to make the play at home. And it's not going to be good because I just ran 45 yards to catch that fly ball and I'm off balance. So uh, Kevin Kiermeyer never really liked the dude. Uh, he's he's kind of a Yankee killer, in my opinion, too. He hits like nine home runs a year and three of them always come against the Yankees. Oh, yeah. um, so it doesn't surprise me that the Rays are doing something a little bit potentially unsavory. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more there, but what are you going to do? We're going to, we're going to invest, investigate every team for potentially maybe cheating or having unfair practices. No, I mean, what Kevin Kiermaier did was shitty, uh, very stupid to do being that, you know, the cameras are on you at all times, especially in a, a, a world dominated by social media. So I don't really care about it. But the Jays, once again, Jays are a bunch of crybabies, too. I'm sick of everyone just crying. Just who cares? Win the game, dude. Kiermaier desperately hoping that the cameraman forgot to shoot home plate on a slide. <laughs> on a slide yeah. <laughs> I'm sure this isn't going to be broadcast. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll give you the floor for the Mets. Ugh. So as you graduate and head out into the world, there's only one thing that you need to know. Hi, this is Jamie from Progressive. Yeah, I can talk now. Progressive protects you 24-7. So tell me what happened. Oh, I'm sorry, Gene. Can you give me one second? Um, brush that for every meal. Congratulations and thank you. Sorry about that. I'm back. So tell me about this fender bender. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. Welcome back to the Apes Go Yard podcast. I, uh, I mean, you know, I don't want to, on your point about investigating everybody, I don't want to investigate everybody. I would like to investigate the Boston Red Sox. At some point. <laughs> I really, I really would. I, I don't, I don't. I mean, I had this conversation with a couple of people online yesterday. Uh, nothing looks worse now and and you knew it would and so i just i have a podcast and you people don't so i'm going to take the opportunity uh when the rays and red sox were playing at the beginning of september and a bunch of 
22 year old Yankee fans went temporary Red Sox fan started cheering for the Sox started changing their profile pictures because the Yankees were like I think three games up on the Sox in the wild card race but like eight or nine games behind the Rays in the division and people were like well you gotta get the division hey idiots not really in range. You're going to want to hold off the Red Sox in that scenario. And the Red Sox lost the first two of that four-game set and then won the next two. Those were pretty tough to get wins that the Red Sox got. Uh, it involved the bullpen pitching out of a lot of craziness in the third game, I remember specifically. And the fourth one, they kind of just kicked the Rays' ass. And that's great. But without those two wins over the Rays, the Yankees would still be ahead of Boston or tied for a wild-card spot. So if you're evaluating the situation, brain geniuses, objectively, you'd rather win the AL East. Me too. Hey, not a big wild card guy. Would rather win the AL East. But when you look at the standings and the Yankees are eight behind the team in first place and two or three ahead of their number one rival who's lingering behind them. And again, closes the say whatever you want about the Red Sox in early September. They didn't look good until a week ago, but they closed the damn season with the Orioles, Mets, Yankees, Orioles, and Nationals. So you want a large enough gap between you and the Red Sox so that those series against absolute tomato cans down the stretch don't really matter. I don't think they're going to have much of a bearing on how Boston's going to perform in October. I think that's going to come down to how much Chris Sale can give them. Whatever. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. They might be in a one-game winner-take-all. Probably will be, in fact, facing the Blue Jays or the Yankees in a one-game winner-take-all. Spooky situation. But what you root for is for them facing off against the easiest possible opponents to not allow them to vault way above you in the standings. And lo and behold, you idiots who waved your pom-poms for the Red Sox, they're now two games ahead of the Yankees. Not thanks to you, but you enjoyed it when they won games that have now vaulted them over the Yankees in the standings. So I would like to call you specifically out for being dumb. I just don't understand it. Like, once again, I'll come on here and I'll talk about how this it's simply not a rivalry. Giants, Jets, also not a rivalry. Yankees and Mets play six times a year. Giants and Jets play once every four years. Twice a decade they play the Giants and Jets. Jets fans hate the Giants. Don't understand why. Mets fans, why do we hate the Yankees? I mean, I get it to an extent, but... I don't understand why we're on your minds. Why the, I was at a Mets Braves game and they're chanting Yankees suck. It's in, in July, like two days before the trade deadline. I just don't understand. Not that I, I mean, the Yankees, can't, I mean, I, I, I can't be thinking less about the Mets on a day-to-day basis. And the seven line army is taking, it's taking its troops up to Boston for a two-game set where the Mets are eight games out of the fucking wild card hmm. and they're sitting in the right field seats and they're chanting Yankees suck in the fourth inning. Like, why? <laughs> I don't, I just don't get it. It doesn't bother me. It's just more so embarrassing. It's like watching somebody do something incredibly annoying and ins- like insulting to themselves and you're just like, wow, I'm embarrassed. Like, I'm the same species as that person too. Like, why? Where did where did the development go wrong between me and them? I feel like, you know, we could probably have a conversation and figure out some middle ground here to to, to get beyond whatever's blocking this person's brain. It's like, like watching old videos of you doing acoustic covers at a high school <laughs> talent show. It's like, oh, my God. 
I, like, why I just, did I do that? Yeah, I just don't get it. And then you have, look, guy, uh, look, Mets fan. I have friends that are Mets fans. So all I want you to do is just have a conversation. Thanksgiving this year, you know, broach the conversation to the weird Mets fan uncle who just loves to talk about the Yankees all the time and hates them. Uh, that's all we're asking for. But I know you're not the W. I know. I know most Yankee fans are not the WFAN callers. I know most Mets fans are not the WFAN callers. Guy calls in yesterday and he says he's rooting for the Red Sox because he knows the Mets are not going to make the playoffs. And if he'd rather anything, he'd rather see the Yankees fall farther out of the playoff picture. Like, why? why? I just don't get it. I, like, what did the Yankees do to you? And, and the Yankees suck chance, like, not to get all like, oh, my team's great. The Yankees have sucked since 2010. I, I, like, it's no secret. Comparatively, yeah. But the Mets... Have really so, so we're talking about Yankees suck chance. Then what are the Mets? The Mets are buried underneath piles of shit that suck beyond comprehension. Like the Mets have eight postseason wins since 2010. The Yankees have 27, and the Yankees that's more than three times the postseason victories. And and the Yankees are considered to be having a very very bad like this is going to be what the 12th year. Uh, and uh, I just don't. Once again, it's not. It can't be jealousy at this point because the Yankees also really haven't been good. The Mets actually have been to more World Series over the last twelve years than the Yankees have. I just don't get the obsession. And it's like, if anything, everything the Mets do is embarrassing. And the Yankees have Yankees fans have so much ammo to just sit there and be like, "Oh well, you got a new owner, great, got rid of the Wilpons. That uh, guy's worth fourteen billion dollars, but wouldn't sign anybody." Went James McCann instead of JT Real Muto. Decided George Springer wasn't the guy traded for Francisco Lindor and gave him a, a mammoth contract. And now he's massively underperforming. Uh, Jacob DeGrom, like is, is literally everything your team needs to succeed and can't stay healthy. Everybody else in the rotation uh, up in the air. You thought you had the best starting rotation in the league. Really not quite. Um, so just so many other things to that Yankee fans can blast the Mets for on a daily basis and I have to sit here and be on Twitter while I'm watching the Yankees game to see Mets fans trying to rile up Red Sox fans, say Yankees suck in the fourth inning of a game that doesn't matter for them. Like, and the WFAN callers, I mean, like those people, like we need a system where like, I'm not, I'm not like a big brother guy, but like we need people to go into those person's houses and just snatch them up, throw them, like put them, maybe, I don't know, just shock them figure out to put them in some sort of institution where they can, they can get right. Because if that's what you're thinking on a daily, as a sports fan, as a sports fan, you're supposed to like your team. You're supposed to root for your team to win. If you're rooting for your team to lose, to see misfortune of a team you're not even rivals with, like what has gone wrong with your brain? I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know who these people are really. Um, I don't, I also wouldn't root for the Red Sox in any scenario never. my entire life. I would never do that. Um, but just imagine being the Mets fan who like pays to go down to the seven line army just to chant Yankees suck in a game in which you're getting pantsed. Like you were up to nothing, got cut to two one. Uh, your third base coach sent Pete Alonzo on a short single at Fenway Park from second base. He got thrown out by 35 feet. Uh, you had second and third, one out with a chance to elongate the lead. Javi Baez whiffed. You didn't get any runs. Then your bullpen collapsed, and then you couldn't hit Ryan Brazier. Good team. Um, I, I think, I mean, Met fans were treating it like some sort of a showcase event. I think all I want to caution them with is, I mean, I'm as guilty as anyone of rooting against the Red Sox success. 
and acting as if they have success that never ends, which is partially due to the fact that whenever they're in the playoffs, they win the World Series. Typically, they don't lose <laughs> like there are seasons where they do not make the postseason. They break their postseason droughts with a season where they make the postseason and then they win the World Series. So it just feels like they've been more successful than the Yankees over the last several decades because they finished the job. They have more years with magical endings than most teams do. But the Red Sox, you know, 2018 is an astounding season. 2019, very embarrassing for them. 2020, even worse. They tank worse than they ever have in a year where, you know, everybody could have used some wins last year. 2020 was tough, and Red Sox fans had a depressing year. So they're going to make the playoffs this year. They're almost definitely going to be in the wild card game, and that's good for the Boston Red Sox fans. It's been three years of depression for them, and so I theoretically should be satisfied, but I'm not because I still want more bad endings for Red Sox fans who've had it really, really good in many, many recent seasons. All that being said, Met fans and Yankee haters, to to be rooting against your own team as the Yankees limp towards, at best, a wild card road berth, (laughs) and at worst and more likely, they'll be out of the playoffs entirely. 12 seasons since they've made the World Series, 12 seasons since they've won it, they got to ALCS Game 7 once, during that stretch they got to game six a couple times they've been close once in 12 years they have not made the world series in 12 years you're probably knowing the yankees and how they operate and the stratosphere in which they are are circling it's probably never gonna get better for you as a hater than this 12 years without having to worry about the yankees in the world series Mm -hmm. that's a large chunk of your lifetime And if you want to expand it, 20 years, one World Series, 21 years, one World Series is a lot of failure. Yeah. And this is the highest paid team in pro sports. And there's a reason everybody hates us because of the pedigree and the history and all of that. 20 years, one title is probably the best you can expect from hating the Yankees. You've had a lot of joy and to be 20 years deep in this run and 12 years since they've made a world series and they're limping around, maybe going to make a road wildcard game. And you're still rooting against your own team just for the pageantry of the Yankees, maybe having a tougher time climbing that wild card mountain. You are pushing your luck. My dot, my guy, you are, really, really at the edges of asking for a little too much from your fandom, which now appears to be mostly based on hatred. Again, I thought this was the year for the Mets to take back the city. And the Yankees have been the worst case scenario for their roster. It's really hard to envision this group of Yankees being any worse than they've been. This was a prime opportunity for the Mets. All the Mets had to do to take back the city was sneak into the NLDS, probably. And they're not going to come close. The Mets were the kings of New York City in early July when they were 43 and 37 leading the NL East. 43 and 37. They were two games better than the Yankees, who everyone was saying, wow, is this team going to have to blow it up at the trade deadline? Is this team going to have to completely just like figure out how to retool and make it happen for 2022? Because, I mean, what are we going to do here? Two games better than the Yankees. Two games. And they thought they were reclaiming New York. Now, the, one of the most disgraceful falls from the top of your division when you, when everything's laid out for you, the Phillies couldn't be 
more pathetic, really. Just a terrible team. The Braves lost their best, two best players, lost their best pitcher and their best hitter. And you're in third place and have no shot at anything. You had, you had a chance in the wild card after beating the Yankees on Sunday night baseball, you lose six to seven. I just, uh, what, what, I just don't understand what I'm watching or hearing from people. Like, it's just, it's everything is nobody knows anything. Nobody, nobody, really nobody knows anything. That's what it comes down to. I, I would wager I hate the Red Sox more than, I mean, I definitely hate the Red Sox more than anything else I hate in my life. For sure. And I would wager I hate them more than most people, to be perfectly honest with you. If you shook my hand, you're God. You, you've come to, you've, you've broken apart the pearly gates of heaven. You've come down to meet <laughs> me. Uh, you look like a man on the street. You don't look like God, but you are God. Uh, you have a bowler <laughs> hat and a briefcase. And you shake my hand and say, I guarantee you one Red Sox World Series in the next 20 years, if you do good deeds, only one, I would take that fucking deal. <laughs> I, that's a simple, that's a, only one. They've got yeah. four in 17 years. It's been horrible. Yeah. Only one in 20 years. I would go fine. Anything <laughs> to knock them off the pace. That would definitely be enough suffering for me. They would really enjoy that one world series. They'd rub it in my face. And I would say I got through 20 years and only one of them felt like a complete wasted, you know, 162. When the Red Sox win the world series, it feels like I wasted six months of my life. Often I get over it by the middle of November, but it feels like that for a while. You can guarantee me one in 20 years. I'll be a happy man. Happy ish, depending on what the Yankees do. I'll be a relatively happy man. Mets fans got one Yankee world series in 20 years. And they're like, Oh God, please beat my team. Like Sado Masik is like, Oh, Red Sox. Wait, can we just get some Red Sox insurance runs? So the Yankees can't move up the standings a little bit. It's, it's pathetic. And again, it was only six months ago that I was, it was, it was only 10 days ago. That I was told Francisco Lindor owns me, uh, dance party, whistle this, Lindor rounding second base, eating his own hand. That was a week ago. And now you're already in the mode where you're like, well, we've lost a lot of games. We should lose some more. Like, that's just not what sports is. I'm sorry. The Giants are six and nine at the end of the NFL season. I'm going to be rooting for them to win their seventh game. That's that's how messed up in the head I am. I would never uh, ooh beat me, daddy, so that the Red Sox can move further up <laughs> over the Yankees. It's it's pathetic. It, it's really ooh, pathetic. It is. Uh, you know, it's not pathetic though. We could get some good news here. Jordan Montgomery, dude. Can we give the guy some props? We've uh, also gone thirty-one minutes of podcast time and have not mentioned Luis Severino yeah. since the intro. So we'll we'll close with some Yankee yeah. positivity. Go on, yeah. go on, Monty. Jordan Montgomery, twenty-two of his last twenty-five starts, three earned runs or fewer. Very good. I know it's a little bit a little bit skewed because he typically doesn't uh, he doesn't bring the length, um, but he needs he needs run support, guys. This is a career season for the left hander. Um, he's now six and six, which is just I, I, I incomprehensible. Six and six and twenty eight starts. He's got a three five five ERA. Uh, whip isn't the sexiest at one point two four, but um he's getting the job done in this rotation solidifying right in the middle right in the middle of it right there uh and the the crazy part is is that he's actually had uh three quality starts over his last what or i'm sorry he's given up he's given up one earned runner fewer over his last uh eight times over his last 10 starts um and the yankees have actually lost uh two of those games i'm sorry three of those games so um, we gotta, we gotta figure out how to not have that happen, especially if we do sneak into the playoffs, 
And there is a series that goes behind the wild card. Once again, I'm not optimistic about it. I'm hoping for it, but you never know what could happen. We got, we got what, uh, 10 games left and they're, they all have high implications. We cannot go into a playoff series, have Jordan Montgomery throw five innings of one run baseball and lose that game. It cannot happen. Um, so let's give this guy some support. He's definitely not getting he's not getting the kudos that he deserves this year. Uh, he's been consistently good. I know at times um, we've needed him to stop the bleeding, and he didn't exactly do that by giving up runs in the first or second inning. But largely, he's been exactly what you needed for a team that was supposed to be good on offense. So if this team is pretty decent on offense, Jordan Montgomery's season is very much flipped. He probably has at least 10 wins. Um, but uh it's good stuff. We could look, we could look ahead to, to uh, this lengthening the rotation if it comes to that point. But I think what we're also excited about is what the bullpen's about to look like. What, what do you think about that, Adam? I'm excited. I was as nervous as anybody for Luis Severino. It's really yeah. tough when you've got a, uh, a debut that has to be made, but it really does have to occur under certain circumstances for everything to be perfect. First game of the series, he gets activated. Yanks are up 4 nothing early, and you're like, this might be 12 nothing. He might get in today, and then all of a sudden, 4-3 in a blink. They have to hold on for five innings. Yep. I don't want to put Luis Severino in a one-run game. Uh, they don't have that many better options to be to be blunt, but you've got Clay Holmes. You got uh, Chadwick Green, uh, not his real name, but call him <laughs> that for some reason. And then you got Chapman, who uh, weirdly has like an under two ERA since early July. Uh, not, it's rarely fun watching him, but he's actually been better uh, more often than he's been bad, uh, which is interesting to me. Anyway, uh, Severino's not coming in that game. Yankees offense squanders a chance. On Tuesday, it is 4-1. For a while, uh, it was 2-1, it was 3-1. They blow a chance to add. Gallo Homer makes it four. Michael King, who we're about to get to, buzz saws, and it's it's 4-1, and Judge, and Severino's up at 4-1. They're like, Severino's in the bullpen. We bring King in for another inning. I don't know. Severino's in the bullpen at 4-1. Judge Homer's have become 7-1. Automatically seems like a perfect chance to insert him into the game, but of course, it's raining. And he's mm. someone who already in a rehab appearance this year looked like he tore his groin off the bone in June. Uh, he was going to come back to the rotation in June or July, early July or late June. Uh, he had a setback in Brooklyn that looked really bad season ending somehow wasn't came back, got himself ready again by August. And then his shoulder didn't feel right. And he pulled himself from a rehab start. We thought that was the end of the journey. Somehow, Nothing structurally wrong, very shocking, made his way back to the mound on Tuesday. And of course, it's raining and it's getting wetter and mm. it's mistier rather than a hard rain, according to Michael Kay and David Cohn. But on the TV, it looks like real, harsh, genuine rain. I'm nervous every second. Um, I, it's hard to judge too much based on what he showed us, based on the fact that he has been off the mound for 707 days based on the fact that it was raining and there is grip trouble. And this is the Texas Rangers, though he did face the heart of the lineup. He got to face one, two, three, four, five. Um, in two innings, Luis Severino threw 30 pitches, sat 94, 95. Again, the weather and again, a ton of time off. I bet he can get that up to 96, 97. It's probably better. He wasn't overthrowing, considering that's how everybody hurts themselves when they come back too soon. Sitting 94, 95, the changeup looked awesome. The slider he threw one great one to strike out his first batter and threw a couple. He threw a cement mixer to uh, Adolis Garcia, who mm -hmm. ripped one in the left. Is what it is. Largely, Severino looked great. 
and looked at least like a far better option than Andrew Heaney and anybody else who was going to take middle innings. He's going to be very useful during the season's final 10 days. Definitely not on Wednesday, hopefully available at Fenway. Michael King looks like a weapon out of the bullpen. He should have thrown an immaculate inning on Tuesday. Uh, They called a, a clear strike a ball for some reason. Then he struck out the side on 10 pitches. Michael King hit 97, upper 97s, 98 with that sinker. The pitch mix is what gets me. He was dotting the corners with the curve and the sinker and like the the weird little tight slider. Michael King was awesome in, in nine and nine and a third innings, I believe, since coming back. Struck out 10 and he's allowed two hits, I think. Might be nine and two thirds. He has been next level dominant and he can soak up three innings at a time. By the way, another guy who can do that. Suddenly you look like a team that can piece a wild card game together, even if the starter doesn't have it, like in 2017, which I mean, God help them at the start if Garrett Cole didn't go seven innings like a week ago. And I believe by the time this podcast is released, or by end of week on Thursday between series, I think they're gonna activate Domingo Hormon. It's mm-hmm. another guy who can go two to three to four innings at a time if things are working and add a similar short reliever, like starter turn short reliever to the arsenal. Now you've got sort of three multi-inning weapons in the bullpen who weren't there last week. Uh, imagine where this team could be if Michael King had not dropped a weight on his finger and had rediscovered his own ingenuity a month and a half ago. That would be nice, but they are in a place where they now, I mean, Clay Holmes, I trust Chad green in short usage. I trust somewhat. I mean, he hasn't looked like himself in months. I don't want to believe it. I don't want to trust Chad green, but I want to believe in Chad green. A role Chapman's going to be involved no matter what you want. Wandy Peralta, Joely Rodriguez, uh, and then three new guys who can all soak up uh, middle to back end innings. Sal Romano is gone. Brooks Krisky is officially on the Baltimore Orioles. You'll never see Nick Nelson again. Uh, These are three (laughs) valuable options who we did not have a week ago. And you just wish that the Yankees were in playoff pole position instead of clawing from behind. Luckily, these people should theoretically all be back for the Red Sox and for the Blue Jays. All you can ask is you put your best foot forward. I still like it. The middle relief doesn't get enough credit nowadays. Uh, where everyone everyone likes the the starter that could go seven or eight, and the closer that shuts it down for the one inning and and throws gas. But middle relief is very important, and you've seen it this year. I don't think there's any better example than the Yankees, who have who lost who lost relief arms heading into the season. Zach Britton was in trouble uh, early on. You probably knew that wasn't anything that he was going to consistently uh, contribute and he hasn't Darren O'Day was injured a couple times early on. And then the hamstring, that was it. Um, and you saw how much of a strain that put on the bullpen. And all you need is guys. You need guys who can throw when you're getting crushed and guys who you could throw when you're up by a lot, who are reliable, who will eat innings because we've seen so many times when the Yankees are up by five runs and they bring in Sal Romano and it's like, fuck, now we have to bring in our closer because we don't have anybody. So there is value either way. In my opinion, these guys who can throw the, the uh, multiple innings are valuable and, and there is value. There, there is value for pitching in a losing effort and preserving the team for the long run. The baseball season is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Um, but even more encouraging is that you have Michael King um, who really has found his groove. I think I still don't think he's a starter. I just really don't. I think, I think this is his, is his ceiling as an MLB player. 
um, coming in to rip those two, three innings or hey, maybe six shutout to beat the Blue Jays when he did earlier this year. Did, did, did they not win that game? They, I don't even think they won that game. Um, but never do. Uh, no, uh, but he's very good when he can be inserted into the game as opposed to it seems the first couple innings get to him. Um, and same with Severino. Like this is what we've been, we've been waiting to see him. We were hoping it'd be as a starter. Unfortunately, the cards did not fall in that manner. Now he's probably going to be a two to three inning guy out of the bullpen. He has electric stuff. He looked very good last night. Um, not drawing any conclusions based on that against one of the worst offenses in the league. But then again, the guys in pitch since 2019. So, and he only had what four or five starts that year. So um, very encouraging to see 30 pitches, 19 of which were strikes two strikeouts um, after all he's been through. And you have to know that that's, it's a killer for your mental state, man, not being able to get back on the field and having all the setbacks that he did. He, we thought we were celebrating a birthday hangover. It ended up being Tommy John surgery. So it's really been an insane couple of years for the man. Um, and this is going to change the complexion of the Yankees bullpen. Maybe they, maybe they have a start. Maybe they have Montgomery dude, Montgomery, maybe battles for three innings in a playoff start, or even down the stretch again in one of these important games against the Red Sox or the Blue Jays pitch count gets run up to 70 something in three innings, which we've seen this year. That's nothing. That's nothing crazy. And then they say, Hey, let's go to the bullpen. Michael King, Luis Severino, Domingo Herman. Then maybe that can get the job done. You have a lot of different moving parts here that can, that can piece together a, a, a group of, a group of pitchers to get you through nine innings. So I like what I'm seeing. And um, unfortunately there's only 10 games left, so we're not going to see a whole lot of it, but if they can get into the postseason, then we're talking about an entirely different equation that, Hey, maybe Aaron Boone can't fuck it up because it's too good to be true at that point. Who knows? Who knows who can be confident? Certainly not me, but again, (laughs) these are, these are three weapons we did not have a week ago. Things are better now than they were on Sunday. That's all you can ask for when the stretch run is the most important. I mean, whether you believe in this team or not, objectively, these are the most important stretch run games this team has played in a long, long time. Every day is kind of a whirlwind. You can try to unplug, but you won't be successful. And we've got a lot to look forward to this weekend, next week, and next weekend when the Rays have hopefully clinched and decide to take their foot off the gas pedal just a little bit, if even subconsciously. That is it for a jam-packed Wednesday edition of the Yanksco Yard podcast. We ripped the Mets. We filleted the Red Sox. We destroyed the cheating Rays. We got mad at the Blue Jays. We did it all. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinerb. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinerb. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. I saw our Chiefs podcast was giving out prizes to subscribers and followers. We should probably do that, but you guys, I assume, don't want Yankee stuff because you hate the team. So uh, (laughs) maybe we'll give away somebody else's stuff. Thomas Carinante, when can they find you? When can when? where can they find you specifically? You can find me whenever I'm usually accessible. Uh, yeah, you can find me I, at, I can vouch for that. <laughs> at Tommy's underscore takes on Twitter. You could find us both on the official Yanks Go Guard Twitter account at Yanks Go Guard FS or on yanksgoguard.com with our bylines with other other people writing for the site too. We got plenty of topics uh, looking ahead. A um, lot of things that need to be discussed. People need to know. So head on over there, read some content, inject your opinion, start some discourse. Until then, guys, hopefully we have we're talking about a nice series sweep on Friday, and then we'll preview the sock series for you on Friday AM. Ooh, get ready for the preview. See you then. 
progressive snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were looking at your phone while driving, let me say it again. Seriously, put down your phone. That is so unsafe. If you didn't do stuff like use your phone while driving, you could save money with progressive snapshot. But saving or not, just put it down. <clears throat> and if you did hear it the first time because you weren't looking at your phone, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.